for me, I've got a really a great opportunity that is only going to last for a limited time. You know, to have have an impact um, in a way that not many other people can say that they've they've got with being a professional athlete with a lot of interest in our sport. Uh, there comes a platform with that. People are interested in what you've got to say. And uh, for, for me, equality is a pretty important pillar. And I suppose that, that sort of guides the decisions that I make and the organisations that I align myself with. That was AFL Premiership player Ben Brown. And this is the Euphoria Health Podcast. Hey there, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Euphoria Health Podcast. My name is Matt Sapala, and I'm your host. For anyone that's joining in the conversation for the first time, firstly, welcome, and thank you so much for jumping on board. Secondly, a little bit of background about myself. I'm a qualified personal trainer, and I'm currently studying a Bachelor of Health Science majoring in Nutrition I'm so, so passionate about holistic health and all of its pillars, including nutrition, movement, recovery, and mindfulness. I strive to help educate and inspire you guys to have longevity and sustainability at the forefront of all your decision when it comes to these pillars. Let's focus on building healthy foundations and setting a new benchmark for our health, one that can be sustained for the rest of our life. I want you guys to create healthful decisions that add years to your life, not create stress for a short term. I live by this philosophy through my personal training coaching and through my everything that I do. I don't want to be your quick fix, I want to be your only fix. This week on the podcast, I am so humbled and excited to bring you AFL Premiership player Ben Brown. Ben currently plays professional football for the Melbourne Football Club. For my overseas listeners, we're talking about Aussie rules here. The ball that is shaped like an oval and is played 360 degrees. This sport is very unique to Australia and something that is almost like a religion down here. Ben is an extremely humble man who aims to leave a positive impact on the world, extending beyond his amazing football ability. Elaborating on that a little bit further, Ben is an ambassador for a number of organisations that are raising awareness for important issues such as violence against women and children, charities raising awareness for children with disability, among many others. This speaks wonders of Ben's character and how he's using his platform to raise awareness and to make change, and I absolutely love it. Among all of this, Ben is a vegan athlete who is proving to the world that you can well and truly thrive off a plant-based diet, even as a professional athlete. I've said it so many times on this show before, and I'm sure my PT clients will get sick of me saying this as well. If professional athletes at the top level are thriving and surviving off a plant-based diet, there's no reason why the gen pop consumer can't do so as well. I think there is a plethora of evidence coming out showing the positive impacts that a plant predominant diet can have. So could this episode be the inspiration for you to start relying less on animal proteins and start incorporating more plants? I'll leave that up to you. It was so great chatting to Ben about his journey into the AFL and also, I got goosebumps when Ben was reliving his experiences winning the 2021 Premiership for the Melbourne Football Club. Ben, thank you so much for your time, Legend. It was incredible sitting down and having this conversation, one that we've had in the pipeline for almost two years now, but so great to be able to get that happening, my friend. That's all from me, guys. I hope that you enjoy the episode and I will see you on the other side. Ben Brown, welcome to the Euphoria Health Podcast, mate. It's awesome to have you on the show. Thanks, Maddie. Thanks for having me. We were just chatting off air. We've been, we had this podcast scheduled for about 20 minutes ago, but we've been scrambling around <laughs> from my end trying to make sure that Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, computer's working, but... um. 
that's the last three years in a nutshell, I guess, eh? Yeah, exactly. And look, I'm on the way to work um, safely, obviously. We're doing a Zoom call, but um, if you if you hear any chewing going on, it's because I'm eating my toast. So <laughs> that's... Uh... The life of a professional athlete and a dad, mate. I, I love it. <laughs> now, Ben, we're going to dive into your journey, obviously playing elite level AFL footy. Um, for my overseas listeners who have never heard of AFL before, can you give us a little bit of a snippet about what the sport is and how you play it? Yeah, Aussie rules footy. Um, so everyone's, everyone kind of says, oh, it's a bit like rugby, um, which, it, which it is in a way um, in that we've got a, an oval-shaped ball. But um, a lot of people describe it as like a 360-degree sport. So um, you kick the ball or hand pass the ball around um, and it's full contact so we can tackle each other and uh, push each other and jump on each other's backs. Um, look, it's really hard to describe, to be honest. Probably better than me describing it is jumping on YouTube and looking at some highlights. Um, I think people probably get a bit more out of it than that. I'd be here for the next few minutes and people would end up more confused than when they started. So <laughs> it's, 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 good. It's, it's good fun. It's the best game in the world. So Yeah, I totally agree. And I think what what baffles a lot of people is that it's 360 degrees. So you're playing in all directions, whereas like a rugby, you're only moving forward. Um, but then you add the element of, of contact that you don't get in soccer in the 360 degree game. So yeah, unbelievable, great sport, great invention. And, and you're definitely a master of the trade. Oh, thanks, mate. It's a good way to start. <laughs> now, mate, I'd love to um, talk a little bit about what life was like for Ben Brown growing up. Yeah. So I grew up in, um, in Tasmania, uh, in the north of Tasmania, so uh, Devonport. It's a small, small town, and uh, I love growing up in Tassie. It's a beautiful part of the world, um, very much sort of close to nature, and, um, so, and a little bit slower than the big city where I live now um, in Melbourne. So had uh, five younger brothers, so a big family. Um, don't know how mum and dad did it with our own two daughters now. Um, that keeps us on our toes well and truly enough, um, let alone having six. So, yeah, I, I don't know how they did that. But, yeah, it was it was a really fun place to grow up as well because there was always another brother to play with if one of them got sick of it. So, um, yeah, it was, it was great fun. I, I love playing sport of all different kinds. So I played bit of basketball, a bit of cricket, a bit of tennis, anything I could get my hands on. I, I really love sport. I love competition. And so I suppose it makes some sort of sense that I do it as a job now. Yeah, that's awesome. I think having those siblings would always give you that competitive edge that's required for a professional sporting environment. Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I was probably one of the more competitive of my siblings. Um, and probably didn't take things quite as easy as I could have done on them growing up. So apologies to my brothers who had to put up with me setting up games that were a little bit skewed in the favour of the eldest and probably biggest uh, kid. So, yeah, like I said, there was always someone else to someone else down the line to play with if one of them got sick of you. So, um, yeah, it was, it was great fun. We, we, I loved growing up with... Um, my brothers and I've got great relationships with them all now. So um, that's definitely that's definitely a positive. Um, yeah, great environment. For anyone that doesn't know you personally or has never seen you before, you're probably only destined to play two real sports, and that that was obviously basketball or AFL footy. Obviously, chose the the latter in AFL footy. For people that are not understanding what I'm talking about, talk to us a little bit about how tall you are, mate, and, and why those two sports were were things that you might have um, pursued. Yeah, um, I do get asked a fair bit whether I play basketball and I have to correct people. Um, <laughs> it's Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm two metres tall. So probably on the shorter end in terms of, you know, professional basketball, I would have had to have been a 
little bit better at dribbling the ball than I was to make it in basketball. But I, I did um, I did play to a reasonably high level growing up and probably had that choice to make when I was about 17 or 18. Um, and, yeah, I, I ended up chose, choosing footy. It was, it was a bit of a case of um, being required to make a choice, I suppose. Uh, I just... I'd just done my ACL playing football um, and people might go, well, why did you end up choosing football then? Uh, if that was how you did your, did your knee. Um, I just, at that point in my life, I, I really wanted to play professional sport. That was my number one goal. Uh, and I just felt like I was a bit closer to achieving that dream in football and all, than I would have been in basketball as much as I love playing basketball. So, for me, it was probably that drive to play professionally. Uh, that, yeah, once I did once I did my ACL, I decided that I was going to do a do a really good rehab and just um, focus on one program because I've at that stage I couldn't really take on doing two at the same time. So, yeah, that was that was the reason behind why I chose football at that point. But I definitely am looking forward to my social basketball career reigniting my football career. <laughs> Tuesday nights where every social basketball team thrives, eh? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I love it, mate. That's so good. Now, I'd love to touch on your journey into the AFL and what it was like getting drafted and making that dream to, to play AFL footy a reality. Yeah, so it was, um, as I said, I did my, I did my ACL when I was 17. Um, and that was my, well, my draft year. So it was my first year of being old enough to be eligible for the draft. So I was passed over at that point being pretty, pretty young and gangly. Um, you know, I hadn't probably shown enough at that point to be drafted just based on having, um, having an injury that would probably have me out the majority of the next season. So, and then after that, point I, I had some um I'd asked pubis diagnosed the next year uh when I came back to playing footy so I had another injury interrupted year that that year um and it was another another couple of years after that until I was lucky enough to be drafted by North Melbourne uh, I had to move states to I suppose chase the dream because I, I was in Tasmania and at that point uh I just probably wasn't getting the opportunity to show uh, everything that I could do as a player. Um, and for those who, for those who don't know, I'm a key forward. Um, so try and kick goals. But at that, at that point I was playing in the ruck and I felt like uh, down in Tasmania and I felt like I needed to move to play in a bigger league in the, in the VFL in Victoria. Um, and to be able to play a different position to give myself a good opportunity to be drafted, which ended up paying off after a, a pretty good year with Werribee in the VFL. And yeah, that was where that was when it kicked off. I remember draft day really, um, really clearly. I went down to Tassie for it. I was in my mum and dad's bedroom, and uh, sorry, mum and dad's living room. And yeah, it was one of the most amazing feelings I've had hearing my hearing my name called out and that was I, I was put straight on a plane to Utah in the US where the where the team was uh, doing a, a high altitude training camp so it was pretty much straight into it for me it's pretty exciting no better welcome than that that's awesome now I guess going through the the draft program and obviously being so being eligible at a young age and having to deal with these injuries you mentioned that you tore your ACL and then you had osteitis pubis did you ever at one point think that maybe the stars aren't aligning it's not for me and talk to us about the the determination and the mindset to get through those and, and make it really happen yeah there, there were definitely a few times where I thought that it, it wasn't going to happen or that I, I all that I wasn't good enough as well. Um, I moved to Victoria to play in, in the VFL for Werribee. And I remember my first two games, I felt like I was a long way off the pace and thought, oh, geez, maybe I've made the wrong decision here to move over and I should have just stayed in Tassie where I was 
comfortable living at home with my parents and um, studying to be a journalist and I could have written about football and that would have been better. But um, I don't know. I, I Once I got that spark, um, once I had that spark ignite, probably a little, just a touch before I did my ACL when I was 17, I, I really set my mind to it and wanted to wanted to achieve it. I suppose for the majority of the time, believed that I was good enough to do it. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think I really, I really stuck to that and I was pretty proud of myself when I was able to achieve it. And from there it was, uh, you know, adjusting the goalposts and setting more goals uh, once I got to AFL level. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the mindset and the mental fitness point of view from a uh, professional athletic environment is definitely being spoken about a lot more. We speak about, you know, sports psychology a lot more. We understand what it's like to be switch on, switching on and switching off within the game, preserving mental energy. So there's a lot more conversation about how we can tackle the mental side of things and and that obviously builds resilience in itself but having those setbacks early on in your career I feel like it gives you that edge above other people because you you know what it's like to to put in the hard work and, and actually fulfill that goal which is amazing yeah I think it does and uh, yeah I've definitely had um I'm a massive advocate for the idea that um sports played sort of 80 to 90 percent of the above your um above your eye line it's um it's hugely mental and I, I went through a bit of a patch uh sort of 12 to 18 months ago where i um really had a big episode of self-doubt um struggling with confidence and it just it changed everything about how i was going about playing and it was nothing to do with my body it was all about it's all about where my mind was at I had to do a fair bit of work to overcome that. Uh, so yeah, it's my mindset's probably the most important aspect of how I go about things now. Obviously, body bodily preparation, those kind of things are important, but at the elite level, to an extent, those things just happen because you you set your training programs, you set your weights programs. As long as you follow them, you should be in pretty good nick and you've got a lot of physios and doctors that can look after your body and help you look after your body. But, uh, yeah, the, the mental side of it, a lot of it's just you. Um, and so getting that right, I think, is super important. Yeah, definitely. I think coming from a cricketing point of view, which share similar characteristics in terms of mental preparation and and pre-performance routine I think that from what I've learned is the, the more you try and control the things that you can't control it becomes worse for you so keeping it real simple and focusing on the things you can control like your preparation how you um, prepare for the game the night before obviously during the week your training program and stuff like that and then and building a lot of um, positive self-talk into, into that environment as well. It, it sets you up for the best environment to succeed. I'd love to break down a little bit how you got out of that that rough patch where there's elements of self-doubt sort of crept in. What sort of things were you doing to make sure that you were coming out of the other end and did come out of the other end from the, from the performances uh, we've seen? Yeah, well, it took a long time um, to come out the other end for me. Um, and I had an injury in the middle there too, so that um, that I suppose compounded it. But it was, yeah, it was a it was a long process because uh, the way our brains are wired, we're quite good at focusing on the negative, um, and you know, particularly when you're a, a, I suppose, a pretty highly strung professional athlete like like I am. Um, you're extra good at looking at the negative side of things, which can, it, it can feel it can feel comforting and, and a safe space to be in a way because you're so good at, or you're so used to sort of pushing yourself to get better. And I feel like that um, so that feeling of almost I'm letting go of that um, that focus on the negatives 
is is really is really difficult to come to terms with because you want to continue to get better and you feel like if you don't if you're not your own harshest critic uh you'll stop improving and you'll actually go backwards um but for me anyway i I think that was that was causing me more issues than it was um you know being helpful uh i i really needed to focus on my what my brain needs is to focus on the positives of what i'm doing um it doesn't mean that i it doesn't mean that i go easy on myself uh you know i'm still i'm still going to be critical but it just means that uh Having a little bit more of a focus on my strengths and what I can do really well just means that I can reset a little bit easier, whether it's training um, or in a game scenario. And I don't end up beating myself up for every little mistake, which at the end of the day only only leads to a, a worse performance in my, um, in my experience. So, so for me, it was really about um, coming back to setting goals. Uh, I've got a little book that I write in before training and before games. That just um, where I just write something that I'm going to do and something that I'm going to do well. So I always start with today I will, and I just finish that sentence. And so only one or two focuses, maximum two. Um, that I keep coming back to and generally things that I do well, things that I, as you said, things that I can control um, that allow me to, you know, if I make a mistake with something else, I can go, okay, take a deep breath. It's all good. I'm not focusing on that today. Let's focus on what I can control. Let's come back to whether it's my footwork or, um, you know, making sure I'm trying to go uh, hard at the footy in the air and um, mark the ball with two hands, things like that that are really simple and within my control. Um, and it just, yeah, it helps me to refocus when my, when my mind starts to drift off and starts to become too critical. So that's, that's something for me that works, um, that works quite well and, yeah, it's it's not easy though. It's um, it's definitely a work in progress, and I think it will be until uh, until the day I'm done in footy. So it's good. I, I really I really like that aspect though of almost having to fight yourself a little bit. It's as much as a it's as much a battle as fighting the opposition at times. Yeah, definitely. I think they're amazing points and really good insight for. Any up-and-coming athletes, whether you're going to take this into any code of sport, I think having a mental fitness plan, how you're going to approach the, the situation um, is really critical. I love that as athletes, we often are our harshest critic, like you just said, and we often always look look towards the bigger picture instead of focusing on those small little wins that we do get all the time. So, for example, if we, if we miss a goal in, in an AFL footy sense if we missed a goal in, in our first couple of kicks at training and then we did a million other things right we would focus on the goal that we missed at the start of the session so I love how you you're reflecting you're setting an intention for the session and you can give yourself that instant feedback post session to say hey did I do the things I set out to do if it's a tick then it's a win and that's a that's a success you know um whereas if we're not having that constant stock take and and constant reflection on our positives and celebrating those small wins, we can let that set shot that we missed at the beginning of the session run over our brains all week. And that leads to that negative self-doubt and negative self-talk cycle, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. And when you're going well, it does paper over those cracks a bit. Um, yeah, I, I think setting the intention, as you said, like ticking it off, you know, I, I think the most, one of the most important things for me is writing it down and then ticking it off at the end of the day if I did it. And you can go back over that little book and see all of the ticks that you've ticked off. You know, in training the past, you know, for me, I'm in pre-season at the moment, so I can go back when I get to round one and I can go look at all these things I've ticked off. Um, I've done that work, so I'm ready to go. 
that gives you that extra little bit of confidence as well. And like you said, it's it's like it's like you're driving along on the highway and everyone slows down to look at the car crash as they go past. Your brain is exactly the same in terms of looking at the negative things. You know, it's it's not it's not the most productive thing because all the rest of the cars are stuck behind you because everyone's taking that extra couple of seconds to look. Um, if everyone just drove past, the traffic would probably be flowing fine. And that's exactly the same thing that happens in your mind. You need to get the traffic flowing and, uh, and you know, move past those, those things because your, your mistakes aren't the, thing that, um, aren't the thing that define you. So, yeah, totally agree with you. Um, and that's just, that's just one of the things that I do to try and keep on top of my mind and where it goes. Yeah, absolutely love it, Ben. Great insight. And thank you so much for sharing that information. And I think take-home tip for a lot of people listening, whether, you know, applying this to professional sport, any community sport, or you're providing this insight to business, I think it can be transition in either sector, you know, keeping stock tags, celebrating the small wins and and giving yourself a pat on the back when you can control those controllables. Um, when we step out of that and and focus on controlling the things we can't control, that's when things start to break down. So definitely a constant practice, mate. And um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing the insight into what it's like inside the mind of a professional athlete because it's not often the questions that we ask. We often go to what are you doing? Like what's your nutrition? How's your recovery in terms of your, your body? You know, what are you training? But we never really ask hard-hitting questions about what are you thinking about when you're running in to kick a goal? And I think that's really probably one of the most important questions to ask. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Hey there, friends. I just have a quick word from our show sponsor, and then we'll get right back to it. My Euphoria Health community would know that I adopt a plant-exclusive diet, a diet that is often placed under the microscope and labelled as a diet that lacks nutrients. While majority of the essential nutrients can be attained from a plant-rich diet, there are some nutrients that need a little extra love. Lucky for us plant-based folk, Emil, working together with Simon Hill, have teamed up and formulated the Essential 8 multi-nutrient, which features some key nutrients that plant-based eaters may fall short on. The eight key nutrients formulated in the capsules include omega-3, DHA slash EPA, iodine, selenium, iron, vitamin D3, vitamin B12, calcium, and zinc. Conveniently, just two capsules per day provide me with the ability to bulletproof my plant-rich diet as well as ensuring I'm not falling short on any nutrients of focus. I personally take two capsules of Essential 8 every day with breakfast, which ensures I can maintain my vital bubbly self and continue to promote active living within the community. The best part about this is that Emil have taken the hassle out of the reordering process through their monthly subscription model. Essential 8 just arrives at my doorstep each month, no questions asked. To get yours, head to www.emil.com forward slash euphoria health. That's www.eimele.com forward slash Y-O-U, the number four, I-A, health. Be sure to use the code EUPHORIAHEALTH at the checkout for an extra 5% off your first order on top of the generous subscription discount. I'll have a direct link in the show notes for you guys. All right, let's get back to it. Now, Ben, I'd love to pivot a little bit and talk a little bit about the the platform that you've created and how you're utilizing this to leave a positive impact and create change for lack of a better term. I love obviously meeting you through the kind butcher many moons ago um, and being in communication since I've loved your demeanor. I love your personality and I love how you approach the, the things that you do. You're, you're definitely more than, than just a professional athlete and your mindset and your kind hearted nature is going to show that people would know that the organizations that you're aligned with and how that you're going out of your way to use your platform for change. I'd love to know why you chose these organizations. Firstly, what are they and what does it mean to, to do that little bit more in terms of your realm? Uh, yeah, I, I suppose I, I see, um, well, my role as a professional athlete as 
yeah, definitely about more than what's on the field. And um, for me, I've got a really a great opportunity that is only going to last for a limited time. You know, to have have an impact um, in a way that not many other people can say that they've they've got a similar sort of opportunity because uh, with being a professional athlete with a lot of interest in our sport uh, there comes a platform with that people are interested in what you've got to say um, and you know you can shine a light on some issues that perhaps wouldn't get a light shone on them uh, you know if, if, I, if I wasn't talking about it so uh, for, for me equality is a pretty important pillar um, and I suppose that uh, that sort of guides the decisions that I make and the organisations that I align myself with to try and, um, I suppose, give them a bit of a boost in, in, in my own way and the little, the little way that I can. Uh, so one of the major ones that I work with is Our Watch, which is a national domestic violence prevention agency, uh, works in primary prevention, so primary prevention being looking into the the uh, attitudes and behaviours that lead to um, that lead to violence, and they're you know the the locker room banter and jokes that people make between each other and um, the language that we use that uh, sets up a an environment in a world where things aren't equal between uh, between genders and research so strongly shows that that uh, that's the main contributing factor our attitudes and behaviors um, are the main contributing uh, aspects to uh, to bring about domestic domestic and family violence so for me that's a really clear one um, it's, it's mainly about kindness and just treating each other with respect. So that's a pretty, that's a pretty easy one to be able to support. Um, so I, I also, my, my wife is also an ambassador with our watch. So Hester and I get to do work on that together, which is great. Um, Hester's also really strongly aligned to, um, you know, to equality, which I love that that's a really strong family value of ours and that we're able to do that work together. She's really strong on that as well. Um, you know, some, some others are uh, Lend the Hand Hugo, which is a Tasmanian charity that's um, about building awareness um, for kids that are on the autism spectrum. Again, that's uh, that's a really easy one to support. I, I think, you know, any any sort of organisation that's spreading awareness for um, you know people that need a little bit more help and probably aren't getting that from the, the schemes set up by government, etc. Um, you know, there are families who are who are who just need a little bit more. Um, and a little bit more help, a little bit more support, and to really feel that from their community around them. Um, you know, if I, if I can do what I can, and the small amount that I can to give them a little bit of extra support, then, um, then I'll do that. So that, that's just a couple um, that I'm involved with that, that you probably don't want to hear the full list. It can get a little bit tedious, but um, yeah, I've basically... I'm all about equality. I want to give opportunities to people who don't necessarily have have that given to them, um, because that's pretty much the the opposite experience to what I've had. I've had a lot of a lot of privilege and a lot of opportunities in my life afforded to me, um, and a lot of them weren't of my weren't of my doing. It's just the way that things are, the way the society's set up. So, yeah, that's that's what's important to me.
I think it speaks wonders about your character because it is so easy to just play footy and focus on your family and, and just focus on the things that are immediately in your life. But aligning with your values and doing that little bit extra, um, utilising your reach and, and the impact that you have through the AFL footy environment and, and the name that you've created, it's it's amazing. And, yeah, it's, it's it speaks wonders of the character, of your character. Thanks, mate. Really, really positive so far. <laughs> but, <yeah>. Always, man. <laughs> now, Ben, I think equality, kindness and, and your values really align with how you choose to live your life. And obviously you take a, a plant predominant approach and you, you fall under the, the vegan category. I'd love to talk a little bit about your plant-based journey and, and how this all started for you and how you find being a plant-based vegan athlete? Yeah, well, I probably went vegan, I suppose, uh, would have been five years ago or something like that now. I've been vegan for a fair few years. Um, I'm celiac as well, so I've got to eat gluten-free, which is not my choice. Um, and, yeah, that one that one hurts a bit at times, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm pretty... I'm pretty used to it. I'm pretty used to it now. But yeah, the the vegan choice. So my, my wife was vegetarian when I met her. And I hadn't really, I hadn't really considered, um, you know, vegetarian vegan as being, uh, it wasn't. It just wasn't really in my consciousness before I met my wife. Um, and I suppose she introduced me to the ideas. And I kind of went, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I I went pescatarian for a bit just to try and cut down on my um, on my meat consumption. And from there, I, I, and I, and I was also focused too on performance. And on a, I don't know how that sounds, but yeah, I, from, a, from a football point of view, I wanted to make sure that I was able to perform at the level that I needed to. So I, I didn't want to jump into, jump straight into cutting out everything um all in one go so that was that was the reason for the pescatarian for about a year and a half and I, I found that I was still performing really well and hadn't lost anything from a strength or power point of view so I talked to the dietitians at the football club and they, they were really supportive um really supportive of me going vegan at that point my wife had gone vegan as well so we were already cooking that way at home uh you know, it made the made the transition a, a fair bit easier. Um, it's probably even simpler because I didn't have to cook any meat or anything off to the side and then add it to my meals. We just cook all together, which was which was handy. Um, and yeah, I just I'm pretty I'm I'm probably more conscious of my diet now than I was when I was eating eating meat and cheese and all the rest of it because I just kind of I took it for granted that you know I'm. I'm getting what I need out of this meal because I've got a steak on the plate or whatever it is um, where I probably wasn't getting, uh, getting the most out of my food at that point um, because of that attitude that, yeah, I've got it sorted because I've got meat on the plate. Um, so now I think I'm, I'm a fair bit more, um, I'm a fair bit more conscious of what I eat. And I think that means that I'm a bit more balanced in the way I do things. Um, and yeah, I, I haven't really re recognized any, any difference in my performance on the output of my body. Uh, I think it's, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a real positive, real positive thing for me. And I suppose, again, it sort of comes back to that quality, uh, that equality piece for me. I think the way I look at it is, um, you know, if I can get what I need out of, um, out of my food without doing harm and for me doing harm is you know looking at um, looking at animals in this case then I'll do that and so far I've been able to do do what I need with my body um, without uh, you know with a with a vegan diet for a, a, a fair while so works for me and I'll keep doing it. 
Absolutely love it. And what a legend Hester is with that transition and helping you, you know, with cooking those meals. It, it makes it easier when you've got, got your partner on board and, and helping with the transition too. So I love it. Yeah, she's pretty great. Absolutely. And clearly from an athletic point of view, the, I think the misconception has been well and truly put to bed that you cannot thrive as a plant-based athlete because, you know, there, there are numerous plant-based athletes playing at the top level. And I've always said it in my podcast and, and say it amongst conversations with people, if, if the athletes at the top level are doing it and thriving, there's no reason why your everyday Joe Blow can't, can't do it and thrive as well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. There are, there are a few of us in AFL circles, um, vegan athletes. So, you know, we're, we're not a large bunch, but there are a few of us. And, yeah, I, it was interesting when the Game Changers documentary came up. I had a real spike in people interested in my, in my uh, diet at the football club <laughs> and people going, people going, oh, maybe I, should, um, maybe I should look at the way I do things as well. It was, it was, it was really funny. And it's just an example of, you know, putting things out into, into media and into, into the public into the public consciousness it just gets people thinking um it's that's it's it's super important and, people, and you know it's like this podcast you know talk about the things that you're passionate about because it'll get to even if it gets to one or two years and it gets people thinking i think that's really that's really important yeah definitely mate and i i can relate from that point of view as well i always bring my own meals to to training and, and game days as well. And, and all the, the boys around me are very intrigued to see what I've got today. And hopefully it inspires <laughs> a few people to put some more plants on their plates. <laughs> for, sure, for sure. Ben, do you have to go anytime soon as well, mate? Is it okay if we go for um, another five, seven minutes? Yeah, I'm probably 10 away from the footy club, mate. So, Perfect. Yeah. We'll be wrapped up by then. Awesome. Perfect. Now, Ben, I want to circle it all back to footy now. Um, I love how we've gone through the inside of a, the mindset of a professional athlete and, and touch on your, you know, your connection with organisations and the nutrition realm. But back to footy and you had a, a pivotal moment back in 2019 where North Melbourne delisted you or you parted ways with the club. What was the mindset at this point in time? Did you think that your career was done or did you, or were you confident that another club was going to, to pick you up at that point to, you know, continue the, the AFL career? Yeah, well, the, the club sort of said it would be the best for me to look for another place to play and, um, yeah, at the end of 2020. And, yeah, we've just, we just gone through COVID, uh, a, a COVID-interrupted season. We'd been, I'd been living with my... My wife and my young daughter had one at that point um, in Queensland for a few months uh, in in a hub, in a football hub. So it was, um, yeah, wasn't the best experience I've ever had. But yeah, I, I was I was pretty confident I'd find a, a place to play somewhere else. I thought I had a fair bit still to give from a football point of view, and luckily the Melbourne Football Club um, saw that as well and gave me an opportunity to play. Uh, play at the club offered me a contract so yeah I moved to Melbourne Melbourne footy club and uh yeah my my first year was a bit of a whirlwind um it was uh started out with an injury I had an injury in pre-season needed some surgery and took a while to get um get to the point where I uh got back into the senior team and played a few games and I played three games and got dropped back to the seconds for a while, uh, for a month and a half, and then managed to crack back into the seniors towards the back end of the year. And uh, it worked out pretty well for us in the end. We, we were flying at that point and managed to play our way through the final series and win a premiership. So that was, um, that was definitely an experience I'll never forget. It was, yeah, a real privilege. And and in my first year at a club, I've been I've been at the club for about ten months at the time, and suddenly we're suddenly we've won a won a premiership with the team. That was that was an amazing thing to be a part of, and something I'll never forget. That's for sure. Talk about the stars aligning. What a what an amazing opportunity and transition 
you know, they, they say when one door closes, another window opens. So, yeah, incredible that you had that opportunity and, and determin- determination and, and the mindset to push through that setback as well. Like going to a new club and starting off with an injury isn't exactly starting off on the right foot, but, you know, we talked about the, the mindset and the resiliency developed through younger years. Do you think that you had to channel that energy a little bit pushing past that? Or was the environment conducive of of support and and getting through it with other people? I was it was definitely a bit of both. It was a really supportive environment, uh, even through the injuries and and a bit of um, up and down form at the start of the year. That the coaches at the club and my teammates were really really got behind me and wanted me to succeed. And I think that did make a big difference. Sort of allowed me to the space to do the work on my mindset that I needed to do and. Yeah, it was probably in the middle of last year that I really started to change the way I went about my training and, and games. So as I kind of talked about earlier in the earlier in the pod, um, yeah, that was probably where I made that change, and it really made a change the way I was performing, not only in games but also in my training and how I was going about getting better during the week, not just on the weekend. Uh, I think that definitely made a difference the way I was playing as well so yeah um, but it was as I said it was a very supportive environment um, and and that definitely did make all the difference I think yeah spot on I love it and everyone that plays any sort of sport whether it's professional local community you know they talk about how hard it is to win premierships and, and celebrate that success as well how was that for you in what was a COVID-interrupted year and previous two years? What was the feeling like amongst obviously the group and then internally and through your family winning that and celebrating this success? Oh, like I said, it was an amazing, amazing thing to be a part of with the team. Uh, you know, towards the end of the year, um, we, we really... I, I feel like it, it, we really felt like we were, if not the best team, one of the best teams. But it, in the in the finals, and it was pretty exciting to play the way we did. We we won a couple of games by you know fair margins towards the back end of the year, and that was that was really positive. I suppose we're you know we're already talking this preseason about what we can do this year. Uh, but in terms of a, a family and kind of thing it was actually tough because we, we went over to Perth um, you know four hour flight away and, and played for five weeks in finals hubs which in which our, our families weren't allowed to be there so I had my wife and two kids at home that um, you know she didn't an absolute power of work at home in order to keep the keep the ship going this family ship going while I was away and in many ways, that was a lot tougher than what I was doing away. Um, and then at the end of it, you know, I'm I'm celebrating a success, obviously along with with Hess, but she wasn't able to be there to be a part of it. And for someone who's been through all of the surgeries, uh, you know, been there through all of the tough times in terms of, you know, seeing me at my lowest points. From a mental point of view, not being able to be there on the day uh, and celebrate in the days following, I think that that was actually pretty tough for her. It was tough for me as well um, because you know Hess is my biggest support person and has been there through those tough times. So yeah, I think we've been able to celebrate in the months following, but it would be nice to. Uh, it would be nice to have another good year this year and be able to celebrate one at home that she can be a part of. So maybe that's jumping a bit ahead, jumping the gun, but it is that would be nice. <laughs> definitely some mo- definitely some motivation to this year. No, I love that. I absolutely it speaks a thousand words of your character and, and Hester as well back home. You know, like you said, it, it is somewhat it's a different challenge. You know, you're you're out there doing your thing and on, on the footy field, but there's a, a powerhouse of work that goes on behind the scenes to, to make those things happen. And that's just one example. Um, Hester, what a legend. Oh, yeah. 
biggest hope, legendaries. <laughs> I hope that um, from a, I'm a Bomber supporter, so I hope that from what you said earlier about going back to back doesn't happen and, and the Bombers can get up there. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see what happens in the coming months. We will. We will. Game, <laughs> no, ben, game on, Matt. <laughs> absolutely, my friend. Ben, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast, mate. This has been in the pipeline for many, many months and almost a couple of years now, but so glad that we finally got to sit down and have this conversation despite some tech difficulties at the start. Wrapping up the podcast, I'd love to give you the floor and, and share a last little bit of Ben Brown wisdom and, and talk to us a little bit about what legacy you want to leave behind in the world. Oh, it's a big question, Matt. I think the main thing I want to be is a, is a, um, a good uh, father and husband. And but that's, that's probably the number one legacy I want to leave is that my kids get a good upbringing. Um, I know that's really, um, I suppose, insular, a small thing to talk about. But um, yeah, for me, it's for me, it's the biggest thing. And from there, I think if I'm if I'm modelling the right things for my for my two daughters, then I think I'll be doing the right things out in the world as well. So that's probably what I come back to um, is yeah, trying to be a good role model for them and that assists me to kind of guide my decision-making um, out in the wider world. And so just trying to be kind, trying to, um, you know, trying to give opportunities to, to as many people as I can, particularly those who don't get those opportunities handed to them by the society they're in. Um, yeah, those are the most important things to me. So that's the way I try and live. Incredible, mate. Absolutely love it. Ben, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for giving us an insight into all the behind the scenes work that goes on um, and yeah, shedding light on some important issues as well. So thank you so much, mate. It's been a pleasure. No worries, Matt. Thanks for having me. Wow, what an absolute treat that was. Ben, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and giving us an insight into the mind of a professional athlete. As humans watching professional athletes on TV, we often think that they are superhuman and they're not real people because of their amazing talents, but in actual fact, they are. They still feel emotions, they still face daily struggles like we do, and it's really important to remember that the next time you're wanting to express your opinions via social media at the performance of ex-athlete. Ben, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of an insight into your training regime and how you maintain a positive mindset so that you can perform. Guys, I hope you got as much out of this episode as I did. I can't wait to hear your feedback. If you're wanting to join in the conversation a little bit more, head on over to socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and they're all at Euphoria Health. I'd love to hear your feedback. Also, guys, if you can spare a moment, I'd love for you to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. The more ratings and reviews the show gets, the more accessible it becomes for people in the community. Thank you so much, friends. I hope you have a fantastic week, and I'll see you next time on the Euphoria Health Podcast.